Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. If you were just joining us, we've had a lot of really interesting stuff today. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to sadness. There was so much sadness in my home yesterday because I am, of course, a fan of the Jets and my wife and my nephew who watches all the games over my apartment because he lives a few blocks away are fans of the Bears. And those were two teams that came into this season with such hopefulness. And they're both so bad. It's just, and in different ways, it is tragic. The Bears are bad because... This was supposed to be the season, I've always described tanking in in sports, and particularly in football. No one's trying to lose, but the organization guts everything and then starts over again. And the way I describe that is, like when you jump into a pool, you're sinking, sinking, sinking to the bottom, and then when you touch the bottom, you, you you sort of burst, start going back up again. And sometimes you go up slowly, sometimes you go up quickly, but either way, you have reached the bottom, and you're on your way back up to the top. And that's where the Bears were supposed to be. But what has become evident is that they are not getting back up to the top. They're going to have to go back to the bottom again. They're going to have to change coaches. They're going to have to change quarterbacks. And that means they're going to start the whole process over again. So this year becomes a 13-game, what do they have left? 14 games of, for lack of a better way of putting it, complete waste of time. Hembo just pointed out they are a a three-and-a-half-point home underdog against a team that just allowed 70 points yesterday. The Broncos will be playing back-to-back road games. Just gave up 70 points yesterday. Are going to Chicago Sunday, and they're favored against the Bears. It is you cannot sink any lower. They would have to cut a hole in the bottom of the pool <laughs> in order for you to get down lower than the bottom. That's where they are headed, and they will continue to go in that direction. That's the worst part. It's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to know that this isn't even as bad as it's going to get. So, for our friends listening in Chicago. Right now, uh, FBI, uh, our model says the Bears have the best chance in the NFL to get the number one pick in the draft, a 23% chance to have the top pick in the draft. How do you handle the season then as a fan? Like, are you already turning the page after, after week three? Are you already prepared to root against your team to hope that you get Caleb Williams? Like, and what, what mindset do you have to have when you still get to watch 14 more games of this? Well, let me ask you this. Before I answer your question, what number pick is Carolina projected to get? Or does that factor in the fact that the Bears have both picks? When you consider the Carolina pick, that number jumps from 23% to 38% because Carolina has a third best chance. So the Bears have a 2-5 in five chance to get the number one pick according to our model. Yeah. And so that's great. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what you have to look forward to is that you get the quarterback who's unruinable. And, and, and of course, now we're seeing is that any? none of them are. Well, maybe not. Look, the, the first NFL draft I ever hosted for the network, for, for TV, Mike and I used to do the radio draft. But the first TV one I ever did was, the, was in 2021 in Cleveland. And we had five first round quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence went first. Now, I'm by no means going to say I don't think he's a really good player. 
what the hell has happened to them the last two weeks? Like, I don't understand what's going on with Jacksonville at all. They got just skunked by Kansas City last week. And then you figure they should come out angry yesterday. And instead, they get beat up in a game in which C.J. Stroud looks like by far the best quarterback on the field. And he's supposed to be the rookie on the team that is the worst in the NFL. So the Texans got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. The Jets, Zach Wilson is going to wind up being one of the biggest busts in NFL history. We're, we're going to put his name there with Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf. He's going to be out of the league. He, he, he will not be on an NFL roster next year. Trey Lance will be because he has just too much talent not to be, but certainly he's already a bust for the franchise that drafted him. And if you had to bet on whether he will ever start a game in his life, you would probably bet no. Justin Fields, the Bears are unquestionably going to give up on, and his lot in life now is to become a backup somewhere, right? I hate to say it, but I think that's what's realistic. And Mac Jones is extraordinarily average. Like watching him yesterday, it was it was the the tragic juxtaposition because I'm getting texts from my fans, my friends who are Patriot fans, who were saying Mac is terrible, and I'm like, what do you mean terrible? Like, he looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he belongs on the field. He looks like he knows where to throw the ball and when and why. So he's way ahead of the game as far as I'm concerned. But I'm not convinced they're going to pick up his option. So that could wind up, if Lawrence doesn't wind up being great, that's going to wind up being the kind of quarterback class we talk about forever. Yeah, I've, I've heard some people speculate that the reason so many of those, especially with Zach and with Trey, like, the fact that it was COVID that year and the fact that we didn't have like the normal pre-draft process may have deceived some teams for lack of a better term. But at the same time, you and I have run these numbers, like drafting a quarterback in the first round is like a two and five proposition anyway. So I suppose this is a, a, a good lesson for us to learn as we hype up all these prospects before the draft, right? Which is fun and it's great. And these are great college players. Well, history says that they don't usually wind up turning out to be so great. And most of it is circumstantial. Right. So in the case of Lawrence, like, his excuse has kind of gone away. Like, he's with Doug Peterson now. They, they, they should look better, and I still think they will. He'll be fine. He's certainly going to have his fifth-year option picked up. That's not even worth talking about. He's at least a real about. player. He, he, he's a good player. And he showed you stuff in the playoffs last year, second half of last season. He'll be fine. He, he will wind up carrying the flag for this group. Zach Wilson, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I don't – I take no pleasure in it. I mean, it's, it's tragic. I'm devastated. And I'm not even mad. I'm not mad at the, at the organization because let's live in a world where the Jets had gone out and invested real money in a legitimate backup. They had gone out and gotten Gardner Minshew or Andy Dalton or one of these guys as the backup. Rodgers would have been mad and the fans would have been mad. They would have said, you don't need that. Rodgers is the team. And I'll tell you that story that I told you a moment ago. Again, Bill Polian, when he was the general manager of the Colts and Bill is in the Hall of Fame. The year Manning got hurt, the year Peyton Manning got hurt, and they wound up having to go to Curtis Painter, and they wound up with the number one pick in the draft. I asked him, why weren't you more ready at backup? And he said to me, Greeny, my philosophy was, we're trying to win a championship. If Peyton gets hurt, we have no chance of winning a championship. There's no one I can have in there that, that realistically speaking, that is going to give me that chance. So I'm not going to dedicate any resources to that. I'm not spending any money on it. I'm just going to have a guy in there who can practice with everybody else. And that's it. Cause if Peyton goes down, we're dead. And unfortunately in the case of the jets, they did the right thing and they're dead because on the fourth play of the season, 
Rodgers went down. Can you remind me why they didn't consider bringing back Mike White? Was that, was that a decision based upon the fact that they had a mutiny in the locker room and bringing him back would have effectively ruined Zach? Was it the fact that Miami just wanted to pay more? Because I think if the Jets had Mike White yesterday, they might well have won the game because at least he knows what to do with the football. Mike right? White threw a touchdown too yesterday. <laughs> he, he did. He threw more touchdowns than Zach did, I guess. Yeah. The same number. Um, that, that's what's curious to me. Like, if, if Zach, Zach Wilson, didn't throw the touchdown. Oh, that's they right. ran that, it in from the one yard line. <laughs> fair enough. Um, if Zach was rendered effectively unplayable, then he has to either be your QB3 or off the roster. I think that is fair for the fan base to wonder. Yes, you're not going to be able to devote high-level backup money necessarily to Heineke or to Mike White or someone like that. I no, get because, it. Because the person who drafted him decided that maybe one of the, the things that Rodgers could do is resurrect his career. That from sitting behind Rodgers for two years, that Zach Wilson could learn how to play and learn how to be a professional and all of that. And one of the things he would do is justify that pick. Mm-hmm. Look, Joe Douglas's track record as a drafter is terrible. People get all excited because he drafted um, mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. If you just line up his drafts, they've been awful. Makai Becton, awful. Denzel Mims, awful. Zach Wilson, awful. He's, had, he's not been good in the draft at all. In the end. They, they drafted a defensive lineman this year, uh, the Will McDonald, a pass rusher, who was a healthy scratch the second game of the season. In the end, whiffing on the quarterback is going to be the legacy that he has to live with. Not just that. The fact they turned down like the, the ability to trade down which would have given them the chance to like really improve the roster. You might recall. I think it was San Francisco who wanted to trade up to two, right? Yeah. For all like that's the the opportunity cost there too, with not only whiffing on the pick but also uh, also whiffing on the trade will wind up. I think probably being like the the, the first line written uh, on his jet uh, on his jet obituary. All right. So a very nice job done here, Greeny. By the way, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at one eight hundred Progressive and Progressive dot com. So Dan Graziano, our buddy who you see on uh, on TV with us on get up all the time does a piece on espn plus called overreactions which is to say he makes a statement and then we decide whether those are overreactions or not overreactions so we he put a few these are all actually from dan's column cam put a few in here i'm going to read them and let's go around the room here with the the members of the hashtag crew and you tell me is this an overreaction or not hembo i'll start with you if I say the Dolphins are going to set the NFL single-season scoring record, is that an overreaction? No, I don't think it's an overreaction. I'm not going to predict it, but in order to do that, they're going to have to average 38 points a game. That's the record. The record is 37.9 uh, for the, by the 2013 Broncos with Peyton Manning. That's a lot of points. I don't think I can quite get there because that was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at the peak of his powers. But could they average 35? Absolutely. No, so, Absolutely so, they could. But they need to average 38 the rest of the way or, no. or from the beginning? Uh, from the beginning. Well, they just they had almost two games worth of that in one game, right? 40, right? right now they're at 43.3. I mean, the record is the 1950 Rams at 38.8. But that, that wasn't a 16-game season, obviously. So for all intents and purposes, the record is the 2013 Broncos. They scored more than 600 points, and the average was 37.9. So I'm just looking. Miami in their three games, they scored 36, 24, and 70. Oh my God. <laughs> 70. You have 17 the 70 touchdowns is, already. It's quite an outlier. Uh, will they break the record, uh, Bubba? Yes or no? Yeah, I'd say it's not an overreaction at all. This is it's entirely possible and probably will happen. Cam, is it an overreaction? I think it is. I think they're going to start slowing down. I mean, not literally because they're so fast, but they're going to run into some better defenses than they already have. Well, this is actually also from Graz's article. I have only one question. If the Dolphins are the last unbeaten team standing, 
when they lose a game, will the surviving members of the 72 Dolphins do their champagne toast getting together? There would actually be an extraordinary symmetry. And there, as much as I am not obviously a fan of the Dolphins, I love those guys. I love that Larry Zonka and Bob Greasy, whoever else is still around from those teams. I mean, that, that's, that, that was, those are my formative years as a human being and as a sports fan. So the 72 Dolphins are a team I remember like yesterday, Garo Yapremian and um, all those guys. That's Dick Anderson and Jake Scott on defense and Bonacani, and so many of them are gone now. But as most people probably know, um, the surviving members of that team get together and drink a champagne toast whenever the last undefeated team winds up losing. And my question is, there would be an extraordinary symmetry here, whatever, 50 years removed from it, if the Dolphins do it, if they themselves do it, and Greasy and Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka and those guys can sort of hand over the mantle or hand over the bottle of champagne and say, here, guys, it's yours now. You take it for the next 50 years. So, Th- that would be an unbelievable story. Yeah, so since 72, the, the, the Dolphins have actually had the, the, they have actually been the last unbeaten team three times. In 84, they were. In 92, they were. And in 95, they were. So we can actually go back and look up did they pop the champagne, or was that, did that predate the, the tradition? I don't know. I'm not sure when that tradition started. It's a good question. I don't know that. I feel like they've been doing it that long, but I could easily be wrong. But Shula was the coach for those teams. I wonder if it makes a difference now. Now that he's no longer coaching. Right. Yeah, that's right. Shula was still there on his way to breaking the record. Anyway, it's an interesting question. Uh, so the next overreaction or not that he puts in here is, if one were to say the Chicago Bears are the favorites to land Caleb Williams in next year's draft, is that an overreaction? The obvious answer is no. I'll answer it for you. Obviously, that's not an overreaction. The question is, are the Bears, have they become the franchise now that team that young players will want to avoid? The way Eli did to San Diego once upon a time, the way John Elway did to the Baltimore Colts once upon a time. Will has Chicago, which you would think would be, it's a market everyone wants to be in. It's a big city. It's a big market. It's a big team with all kinds of history and everything else. But they've been so bad, particularly in the area of quarterbacks. If this season doesn't get any better, would that be a place that Caleb Williams and his group might want to avoid? I would think so. If you watch the Cardinals and Bears play this season, there's no question where I'd rather end up. Oh, yeah. I would much sooner end up in Arizona. At least they play hard. At least they, they're, they've been competitive in the second half in every game, and they won a game. Another team that I want to throw in the mix just based upon our numbers actually is Denver. Denver has the second-best chance to have the number one overall pick now based upon their slow start and based upon the challenging nature of the schedule. That's, a very, that's another very, very interesting subplot here is if this thing goes really sideways, might we start talking about Caleb Williams and Sean Payton and that whole thing flipping really, really quickly? Yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, he'd love that. I'm not sure what it would do with Russell. Do they have their pick? They do. Didn't they trade? I thought they traded like every pick in the world I, for they, Russell. I'm, I'll double check. I'm 90% sure they still have their one for next year. Okay, yeah, because they traded a bunch of picks mm-hmm. for Russell Wilson. I'm not sure if that is still going on. Uh, as we continue, I've got another question of the day, and it is one that only you, listening to me right now, can answer. I'll ask it to you right after this on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Wall-to-wall football today. We never did get to the college we talked about getting to. We will. We've had a lot of really good stuff today. But right now, I want to ask you an entirely different question. And it's one only you can answer. We're obviously listening to Taylor Swift music today. And you obviously know why. A very big deal was made of the fact that Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game yesterday. And no one has to tell me why. I am a Swifty, at least to the extent... I know infinitely more about her than I know about any other current pop star because my daughter is a Swifty. And Hembo, actually, even you do, even though you know less about pop culture than literally any person I know because your wife is a Swifty. And all of us who are, are close to anyone who is a big Taylor Swift fan know that her tour this year was next level. There, there was, this really cemented her in a, in a sort of class of celebrity that I think very few people have ever reached. So all of that is fairly obvious. And so I do find myself wondering, and you could, I would love to hear from you on this. You, you can reach me on Twitter or on Instagram or on threads. The address is the same at all of them, at ESPN Greeny, Greeny with a Y, at ESPN Greeny. Does this audience care about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? So I saw our old friend Diana Rossini tweeted yesterday that like her worlds were colliding. Like one friend group was all excited about Taylor Swift and they're talking about a football game and like her football friend group is and all this was like like the old George Costanza worlds are colliding. And I started thinking to myself, maybe the only audience in all of media that doesn't really give a damn that Taylor Swift is with Travis Kelsey is the one listening to this show. Like, if you're listening to my show right now, my gut feeling 
is that you really don't care that much about it and found yourself, again, I want to make it clear, I'm not thinking this because I'm into it. And my daughter was out of her mind. She was over for the games yesterday and she couldn't have been more excited every time they showed Taylor. And she gave me a detailed explanation of why she really hopes it's real because she thinks it, it would be really good for her to date an athlete. She cares that much about mm. Taylor Swift. Wow. But the point of the matter is, I think if we were to go, if we were to spend any time on that, like I tried to make, I, I did in the Taylor's, the <laughs> the Chiefs highlight that I did this morning on TV, I, I used a Taylor Swift song reference on every play. But I think if I tried to do any more than that, I actually, maybe I'm just hearing my father's voice in my ears, but he would have been yelling, Michael, what is this nonsense? Like, what, what, why are we talking about this? I, I don't even understand why. Do you think that our audience cares about the Taylor Swift of it all? Yes, at least more than you think. Less than your daughter, but more than you think. Like, we, we're just a nation that's always been captivated by celebrities. So we care that Tom Brady was with Giselle, and we care that A-Rod was with J-Lo, and we care that Joe DiMaggio was with Marilyn Monroe. And this would constitute, like, the most powerful couple in the world, at least in our world. So I'm not sure they care to the extent. I think, I think, they, I think our audience cares enough that it's at least, like, an interesting novelty. And, like, I know. Not like, you know, you're, you're, you know, in the deep bowels of the internet um, with all of Taylor Swift's like, history and love life and dating life and all that stuff. But I think probably a little bit more than you're giving them credit for. Well, to be clear, she has dated many people who are infinitely more famous than Travis Kelsey is. I mean, she's dated Joe Jonas and Jake Gyllenhaal. And, and I mean, the list goes on and on and on. She's, she's been involved. She has been part of a celebrity couple many times. And it always results in an album. <laughs> so she is going to write something about this thing with Travis Kelsey at some point. And to your point earlier, if, if, the, if the first two football games she ever goes to are quarterbacked by Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, <laughs> she could write a double album and it would be tragic. It would be... Like, like funereal music. I don't even know what else to say. If they wind up becoming something, I really think that the country is going to be very into, into it. Very much so. B- B- Bubba, country, the country will be into it, I get. TMZ will be into it. The, 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 whatever those shows are, Extra and all the... They'll be interested. They'll be more interested in who Travis Kelsey is then the ESPN audience will be in Taylor he be- Swift. He became the most famous football player in the world yesterday. I did find myself thinking that. For sure. Yeah. Like he, he became an like A lot of the basketball players date celebrities, mm-hmm. right? The Kardashians and whatever. This is stuff I don't know that much about. But there's a lot of that that goes on, right? doesn't happen that much in football. Right. She's probably the most famous woman in the world right She now. probably right is. This second. She's certainly more famous than Giselle Bundchen, and, and we made a big deal about her, but that was Brady, but he's Kelsey. What do you think here, uh, Bubba? Yes, yes or no, do the football fans care about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to lean towards no. I mean, I think the, the, yeah. the younger, younger, you know, again, if they're maybe your, your kid's age and then obviously even younger who are constantly on social media and talking about it and, you know, TikTok or whatever it is or on Twitter, they're constantly going to be talking about it and being – the videos are everywhere, but I think as you get older and older and older, which is more of our audience, I just don't think they care. I personally don't really care. I don't. I mean, if I'm going to get voting right now, I'm going to say it's going to last less than a month. Like you know, the, it just was a, her last thing was supposed to be with the guy from 1975. People were losing their minds. This is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. This is the best. There's such a perfect match. This is perfect. That was over in like three weeks. So I mean, I. 
I'm not going to be losing any sleep over this thing because they, they went to a one Chiefs game together. I think you just got your answer, Greeny. Our audience is probably constituted of people who look and sound like Bubba. So there, <laughs> there you go. Now but, you know. But Bubba did know that she dated the front man from the 1970s. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it, but I don't care about it. Like, yeah. Huh? Methinks you doth protest too much. I think maybe you do care <laughs> about it. I'll tell you it. what. All the networks, all the companies think that people care because Travis Kelsey is in literally every commercial. Well, but that was long before he well, got involved that with Taylor Swift. That doesn't Swift. make any sense They at didn't all. shoot that this week. No, of course not. But what I'm saying is they had already established that he mattered. We have, it has been long established that she mattered. Why wouldn't the intersection of the two matter? Here's what I'll say. If that had been anyone but Taylor Swift. So I, I am a fan of hers. I, I actually am. Beyond being a fan, I'm an admirer. I, I think she's not just a gifted performer, which she certainly is, but a lot of people are. I actually admire her songwriting. She, she is an excellent writer. She is a remarkably talented person, and I've met her briefly and liked her and liked her father when they were here. That said, so this is not meant as a knock on her. It's the opposite. But if that had been any other celebrity that I didn't care as much about, I would have been like, okay, we've got it, guys. Like, move on from this. Like, Fox kept going to her, and again, it was a terrible game. So I, I, I understand it. And if it had been us, we would have done the same thing. I'm not criticizing them. If that game had been on ESPN, we would have done exactly the same thing. But the real dyed-in-the-wool football fan in me was like, okay, we get it. I'm done. I'm, I get it. We get that she's there. I, I'm, I'm ready to move on from that subplot. Now, the game didn't present any other subplots, but if that had happened in what was a great game yesterday, I and mean, there were so few, um, but if that had happened in one of the really close, tight, competitive, excellent games on an average Sunday, maybe they would have showed her a little less, but I, I, th- I think that the reaction would have been different. Probably, but it also helped that she, her, like, she was so into it. She was. She LFG'd after he scored a touchdown. I know. And they probably... Hadn't been in the same room before. Yeah. And she's sitting next to the mother. Like, I think, I think that's the thing it will bring in. It's like, my wife only was watching that game because she was waiting for the ISOs. And that's way, there are way more of those than there are of us who, who care that he has fewer touchdowns than Priest Holmes and Tony Gonzalez. Of that, there is no question. You know? But that brings back my question. Does the audience of this show care? I'm not in any way wondering whether the world cares. Far more people care about who she's dating than whether the Chiefs win or not. I mean, 10 times the number. Of that, I'm not arguing with you at all. What I'm asking is, if you're a, a passionate football fan, are you getting tired of the ISOs, I guess is the question. Mm. Is, is, it, is, it, is it too much for you? Are you thinking, just give me the damn game already? It, it wasn't really incessant. They only showed, I don't know, half a dozen or so, like I watched that game as as much as I could. It wasn't like it, they were cutting back and forth every. Yeah, day. Fox didn't let you watch the second half. It was pretty regular. <laughs> yeah. it, they they went to the middle. Again, it didn't help that it was. And a I'm not critical game. of them. They, we, any, any television network would have done exactly the same thing. You know, we we should ask the ultimate when when you want to talk about the ultimate sports fan who doesn't know or care about pop culture, we should go to the source. We should ask Chris Russo. <laughs> My gut feeling is that if there's anyone today who, you know, what's it up? You think I need to see Taylor uh, Swift up, up there in a, in a, in a thing? I, you know, I've seen her uh, uh, 500 times, right? She goes on the ERAS tour. I, I know that uh, she does all of that. It's terrific. She dated uh, Joe, uh, Joe Jonas and uh, 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 whoever else it was. And, but now I'm trying to watch Travis Kelsey. And, and you're giving me that. I mean, uh, he, I bet you, did not like it. I'll read books. <laughs> he was re- he was re- oh that's right he couldn't see the game because he doesn't have YouTube TV. I've right. lasted this long without a computer. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually very funny. Okay, let me ask you another quick question. I have only one question. 
Is C.J. Stroud the best of the young quarterbacks of the NFL? Is he going to be? He came in with a lot of question marks. I'm here to tell you a lot. The day of the draft. Now, going back, I look, no one gets more things wrong than I do. So in no way am I claiming that I'm a genius because I said this. But if you go back to the beginning of last season and all through the draft process, I said if I had the first pick in the draft, I would take C.J. Stroud. I would have taken him ahead of Bryce Young a hundred times out of a hundred. I think he's... I always thought he had a chance to be an excellent player, and the circumstances, like with most quarterbacks, will ultimately determine that. But he clearly has the goods. At this moment, he looks like the goods. But the question is, out of all the young quarterbacks who've come into the league, he came in with as many questions as any of them. The people who were questioning him, right up to the moment he was drafted, we were wondering if he was going to be the guy who tumbled. The way, what's his name, Will Levis fell? There were a lot of people whose opinions I value who thought that might happen with C.J. Stroud, that there were that many questions about him in the league. He seems to be answering those questions. Three games is not enough of a sample, but whatever. Bryce Young's already hurt. Anthony Richards is already concussed, and C.J. Stroud looks awesome. So you go back to the previous year. The only first-round quarterback was Kenny Pickett. You go back to the year before that, Trevor Lawrence, the chosen one, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, disasters pretty much all the way through. How far back do we have to go? Right now, if I gave you, in a vacuum, I'm giving you Lawrence or C.J. Stroud to start your team with, absent everything else, which one are you going? I would still say Trevor Lawrence. Me too. I've just seen enough. Is he the only one? Yes, he's the only one. The names I just named? In that group, the last three quarterback drafts have been dreadful. I mean, it's still too much too soon with Bryce Young and with Anthony Richardson, but what I think you said is most important is that C.J. Stroud is the only one that was able to start a third game. Like one of the reasons why teams should not throw their rookie quarterback out there at the beginning of the season is because they can't protect themselves. It's one thing to be productive. It's one thing to be efficient, right? It's another thing to be able to stay on your feet, to be able to absorb the slings and arrows of an NFL defense. And C.J. Stroud, if you watched him play in college, as you did because you watched the Big Ten all the time, he at least knows what he's doing back there. He doesn't take in opportune sacks. He doesn't do stupid things with the football. He doesn't put himself in harm's way. That's just as much a part of it. So I think he is so much further along in his development curve than Richardson and Young. And thus, I would say only Trevor Lawrence among the last three drafts of quarterbacks is someone I would take before him. So I'm just doing this from memory now. The year before that was the Burrow to Herbert class. Those guys are all good. They're all studs. And Hurts. And Jalen Hurts went in the second round. I was only thinking of first-rounders, but yes, Jalen Hurts was in that draft class as well. So it ends there, obviously. I mean, Burrow's tremendous. Tua right now looks like the MVP. Herbert is tremendous. And if you want to include the second round, Jalen Hurts as well. But I think the only one that right now you would take over C.J. Stroud, it's a ridiculous statement to make because it's a three-game sample size, is Trevor Lawrence. What do you make of the, my comment regarding the, the quarterback health thing? Because we shouldn't be living in a world in which that's happened already to two of the three guys. I wouldn't. Well, but Bryce Young, it's never going to stop happening. Mm. It's the reason I wouldn't have taken him in the first place. He's too small. He's too small to take the pounding of an NFL season. Those guys are not the same as the players in college, and he got hurt in college. And who's the other one? Anthony Richardson. Oh, that's going to be his whole career. Anthony Richardson does one thing magnificently well, and that is run with the football, and which means he's going to get hit on every single play. That kid needed to sit for two years if you were going to turn him into a quarterback. He played one great game in college. And it was all that. 
He has a cannon for an arm, a howitzer. He might wind up being an unbelievable... Everyone loves the kid, loves the mind, loves... It. Great, love it, all of that stuff. He was so not ready. So they put him out there, and he's doing what he can do. He's doing exactly what, like, you know, Justin Fields isn't right now. Just freaking run. I can do this. Great. You're going to get hit on every single play. And on one of those plays, your head is going to hit the ground really hard, and you're going to have a concussion, and that's going to be it. And that's what's happened. He got knocked out the week before. Don't anyone tell me he didn't get hit in a concussion the week before. It just wasn't, didn't rise to the level of whatever. But he had exactly the same thing happen in his first game, and then it happened in his second game, and when he comes back, it'll happen again. And he got, he got popped in that game. And look He's not he, ready to play. And just looked at what happened yesterday in those games. Gardner Minshew, Anthony Richardson's backup, goes into Baltimore and wins the game, gave his team a chance. Look what happened in Seattle. Andy Dalton ran that offense way better and way more efficiently than Bryce Young did, and he was able to stay healthy and keep himself clean. We don't have to do this, guys. Like, these young quarterbacks are going to get hurt and develop bad habits if they're not ready. C.J. Stroud happens to be ready. But when the Colts named Anthony Richardson their starter in the preseason, I said, why? For what purpose are you doing this? Yeah. And when you watch Bryce Young play, he looks like the punter. I totally agree with you. We need to be able to keep these guys healthy and avoid bad habits. And the best way to do that is not throw them into the fire on September 5th. I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir and me. Absolutely. Stroud, I think, has a chance to be a star. He will make his share of mistakes as well. But young quarterbacks have always made mistakes. What they didn't do was get knocked to shreds. The ones who have are the ones that you never hear of again. David Carr was the first pick in the draft. He was drafted by an expansion team. He got sacked 760 times, and we never heard from him again. And, and that's just the reality of it. Now he's Derek Carr's brother. He was way better than Derek Carr was coming into the NFL. It wasn't even close. And But he got the stuffing kicked out of him, and that was all there was to be said. Now, I, you, look, you know how I feel about this. I wouldn't play these guys at all. You're, they're much better off sitting and learning for a while. And that's – look – in Carolina, they've got all this great quarterback coaching, right? They've got Reich, and they've got all those guys, and then they have Andy Dalton there, who is more than ready to, like, teach the kid. This is how you watch film. This is how you do this. This is how you're going to protect yourself. They're going to rush you here, and you're going to get hit. Now, again, with him, I would be worried that he's always going to wind up getting hurt, but which is why I wouldn't have taken him first in the first place. I don't think the Bears made a mistake not doing that because that might have been the player that you took. Now, if the Bears had wanted to take... No, they didn't. They shouldn't have wanted to take anyone. The best thing they could do was what they did, which is trade out of the pick and, and get more collateral because that way they will wind up getting the quarterback they really want next year. I understand why teams do this. You're trying to maximize, capitalize on the rookie contract and try to get them as many like high-stakes reps as possible. But if you have the option to do what the Packers did with Jordan Love— you should do it 10 out of 10 times. You can improve a lot if you're not in the fire. You're not going to build up these bad habits. You're not going to suffer catastrophic injuries in some cases or even minor injuries that change your mechanics and create other bad habits. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like we've, we've gone way too far along the Rubicon and thus we have honestly probably ruined more quarterbacks because of it. Like all we have to do is take it case by case and learn. If this guy is not ready to protect himself, let him sit for a month or for a season. That's the best way to do things in most cases because most of these rosters aren't any good. Like These guys aren't prepared. Uh, Bryce Young has worse weapons right now than he ever had at Alabama. Absolutely. Like, he's taking a step down in that sense, and he's not being protected against world-class athletes. Like we, every, Everyone's doing this wrong. I just feel like this is a conversation that we should revisit. It yeah, they traded away their best receiver to get him. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we'll do In Case You Missed It. We'll pick tonight's games on ESPN Radio. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bunch of things we get in here before we run for the day. Not one, but two games tonight on Monday Night Football. Hemboy, you got some numbers ready here? Let's do some picks. Monday Night Football previews brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see what you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Bubba, how did I do this weekend? Not great. Not great at all. In fact, your only win was because Liam had the line incorrect. Um, <laughs> what does made, that mean? He made his own line. It was The line was supposed to be Green Bay minus two, but he said uh, New Orleans minus two. So... Um, we know, so we got that. I won that one. So we Hold got... On. Because of Liam's mistake. Hold on. Why, why is... Why are you blaming Liam for this? Like, you do you not come up with these questions yourself? It's it's department wide. All the all the so different the shows are doing on it. Friday. The questions I come up with the 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 three games are de- are for all the and Liam d- decides that. Yeah, well, and he transcribes it incorrectly. Yeah, he just so. put the minus where the plus should have <laughs> yeah. been. Yeah. Something so like that. So you got that. it right because of Liam's. Answer. Yes, never ask a British person to give you spreads on American football. <laughs> now games. we exactly. know. And then we also have Nuno counting up all the uh, standings. So we got we got. So a that's probably <laughs> we wrong got the A also. team on it. Yeah. For all I know, I'm in first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we got we got. But anyway, what were the other games? What did I get wrong yesterday? The Jets game. Uh, yeah, well, for some unknown reason, you picked the Jets. I don't know yeah. what you were thinking. There. And you picked the Commanders. And then you picked the Commanders. At well, plus, they were close at plus six and a half. They you, they, you, they they knocked in that three that, yeah. that right there. They you didn't get a thirty-five it. three. They covered, I was close. Yeah, they covered the thirty-five. Yeah. So game night is eight and one, and you are two and seven. Woo! That's not good. So I don't know. I don't know what strategy we want to use because you've lost with the opposite. You've lost with your. I think your abstain re- I, would be I, I the best know, choice. Yeah. Yeah, you're maybe right. Just, I should abstain. Maybe just open up the Twitter and let them pick. I don't know. Maybe we'll start doing that for the picks on Fridays. Right now you're having an identity crisis. One way or another, what are the games tonight? So Philly's playing in Tampa. Philly's a five-point road favorite in this game. 
and a lot of heavy, heavy public lean on Philly to the likes of 77% Oy. with that number minus five. What so, do you say? I mean, again, you're supposed to fade the public, so I'm supposed to go with Tampa. And I like Philly in this game. I, I believe in them at 2-0 way more than I believe in Tampa at 2-0. So every, every instinct I have says that I should go with Tampa, right? If we're fading the public and we're fading me, I should take Tampa and give the points. You should take Tampa and give Excuse the points. Me, take the points. And if it matters at all, I happen to agree with this. I'm not playing this because I don't root against my own team. But this, does, this is not a good matchup for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense scheme-wise. I, I think... I think the Eagles will win, but I think Tampa's a very live dog in this game. All right, so there you have it. We will take Tampa. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. Plus the five. Go. And then we get the Bengals as a three-point home favorite against the Rams, but we don't know who's playing quarterback. For right, Cincinnati. it's two different games, right? It, it, it's, it's Burrow plays, it's one thing, and Burrow doesn't play, it's another. Yeah, since he was something like a touchdown favorite before, before the injury or before news of the injury surfaced, then it went down to two and a half. Now it's at three. So I don't even, to me, this is a stay away game. If I had to bet the number, though, I think I'm playing the Rams plus the three, given how well they've played and given the fact that Jake Browning is not going to beat an NFL team tonight. I don't and, and then if Burrow does play, he's probably not going to be at his best and that defense can still get after the passer. And the Bengals have just looked bad and discombobulated. And all right, I'll go with you. What's what the hell? Everything I do is wrong. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. I'll take the Rams. Cincinnati probably win by 50. Uh, okay, so we've got those. Then let's do In Case You Missed It Here, which is where you get a chance to hear the most interesting things that were said on the earlier shows, including uh, ours, Get Up on ESPN. This was Damian Woody talking about the Cowboys just getting punched. Everyone's been lauding the Dallas Cowboys on defense. All they got is ferocious right. pass rush. Well, you know what neutralizes a ferocious pass rush? You punch somebody in the damn mouth. And that's exactly that's what the Arizona Cardinals did to the Dallas Cowboys on defense. It's hard for Michael Parsons to go off when you've when you got 300 pounders leaning on you the whole game. And you know what's going to happen? Every other team is going to say, this is what we got to do because it's a copycat league. Yeah. Teams are going to look at what the Arizona Cardinals did, and they're going to try to do the exact same thing. Run the damn ball against, the, against this Dallas Cowboys defense and don't allow them to tee off on you. I'll tell you what. He is 100% right, and this uh, sets up really well for the Eagles and for the 49ers against the Cowboys team that is impossibly good on third and long, but when they're playing a game like this, they're not so good. Uh, Arizona ran it 16 times for 182 yards yesterday in the first half Mm. and two touchdowns. Mm. That has always been Dallas's biggest weakness. They play a lot of man coverage. They do it really well. They are a great team when when they pin their ears back on third down. But yesterday, Micah Parsons was neutralized in the run game to a large degree, and they're just not that physical. And unfortunately, the two best teams in the NFC are. You know who's going to test it is New England this week. Before they even get to San Francisco, Dallas has to play New England. I'm telling you, that will be a very interesting game. I do not think the Cowboys win that big. Zeke Elliott revenge game, too. That, it is that. It's Zeke Super Bowl right now. All right, I like that one. Hey, here we go. I got one from Ryan Clark on Get Up saying that what we are seeing right now is not Zach Wilson's fault. Zach Wilson was happy. Right, like he was legitimately happy because he didn't have to play. I played with people like this in high school whose father played high school football, who, whose, whose parents loved going to the football games on Friday, and they were just happy to be on the team. They never wanted to play. They never had an intention of playing. And if you tried to put them in the game, they would suddenly get cramps. That's how Zach Wilson is playing right now. Yeah. He doesn't want to be out there. You know what the problem is, that when he plays, suddenly I get cramps. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not that he gets cramps. I think he's right. People are talking about, is he bad? It's not bad. I've seen lots of bad players. We've all seen bad players. 
he doesn't look like a player. Like, he doesn't look like he knows what he's trying to do. Whatever it is that, that the, the ultimate goal is, he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know why he's doing it. And he doesn't know how to do it in the first place. So they have to change that. I, I, I know they're not. The, for this week, there's probably no option. They'll probably stay with it for another week. There's probably nothing they could do against Kansas City anyway. But I cannot envision a world in which he plays the season. No way. I really liked RC's analogy. And like the, the Jets' histrionics are already at like a week 15, 16 level on the sideline. Like every time they cut away, someone's yelling at something and That's showing someone else on an iPad. That's my fear. That's my fear because th- this is not a group that's going to put up with this. They almost had a mutiny last year. And all the feelings were good because Aaron was there. And so they all kind of got past it because they figured, well, Zach's still here, but he won't have to play. There's no way in the world this group is okay with this. They're not. And Aaron Rodgers isn't there to do anything about it. One more. Chris Canty this morning on Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio talking about Justin Fields. I don't know what he is. And, yeah. and here's the problem, Ev. He doesn't know what he is. Right, because- and that's the scariest part. He, he can't figure out how he can get back to a place where he can be effective and have – those dominant traits on display like we saw at times last year. Last year, he was the seventh leading rusher in the NFL. He had over 1,100 yards rushing. We were talking about this guy with the weapons that they had put around him potentially being an MVP candidate. And he's so far away from that now. And based on what's happening to him and the six inches between his ears and how he's confused and caught betwixt in between, I don't know how this dude gets on back on track. So, uh, you know, my favorite quarterback stat is our QBR, which mm-hmm. is scaled zero to 100. Uh, yesterday, Justin Fields' QBR inside the pocket on 18 attempts was 1.5. 1.5 out of 100. This is a player that has still yet to have a 300-yard passing game since college. I think Chris Canty's right. I don't know that they'll bench him because I'm not sure that's going to serve any purpose. But I think the end is nigh for Justin Fields. It's, like, yesterday was really, really ugly. I mean, he's lucky that Taylor Swift was there. Otherwise, it would have been way worse for him because we would actually have paid attention to what he was doing. You're lucky we only have 20 seconds left in the show because the end is nigh is an expression that has not been used since the 16th century. I know what it means, but no one else does. Taylor Swift would write a song about you, and it would be sad. This has been a brutal day. I have not enjoyed it for one second. Let's hope that tomorrow goes better. We'll see you then on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.